back on a Wednesday with vaccine researcher, family physician, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, running down the latest COVID headlines. The head of the World Health Organization yesterday urging countries to maintain surveillance of coronavirus infections, saying that the world was, quote, blind to how the virus continues to spread because of failing testing rates. Uh, what is uh, happening here, do you think, Dr. Gorfinkel, with this uh, warning from the World Health Organization when it comes to failing testing rates? And we were just talking before the break about uh, the lack of uptake of the booster shot. Is all of this just COVID fatigue that we're seeing? In, in part, but not completely. I mean, the World Health Organization is the spokesmouth. It's, it's speaking for the countries that don't have, and it relies on testing of the countries that do have. And so basically, if we're no longer testing, and we've given up, I mean, I, we were just talking about these numbers, right? One out of three Canadians has had COVID-19, and, and how can we possibly test them all with PCR? We do not have that kind of resource. That's the reality. We don't. we got to own it. You know, but meanwhile, the World Health Organization says, give, give us the testing information. We need information on transmission. We need information on sequencing. But the best we can do is say, we're all getting this disease. You know, and it's not just a matter of, you know, our vaccines, they're working. For sure, they're keeping us out of hospital. But it's not stopping us from getting BA2, especially when we've only had two doses. All right, so rates have plummeted. There's no question. So how is Canada faring then, Dr. Gorfinkel, if the World Health Organization is issuing this uh, warning that the world is becoming blind to how the virus is spreading? I mean, we do not have as much testing going on now as we did previously in the uh, pandemic. And again, we'll go back to the vaccine uptake and the uh, booster, the third and uh, fourth shot. So just how is Canada faring, do you think? Are, are we one of those that are maybe blind? Well, this is the thing. We're relying on wastewater signals to determine the trends. But, of course, that's affected by things like rainfall and temperature. Ideally, we would have an integrated system, but we don't. Canada has all of the know-how to, to put together the information that we have from PCR testing, and I'm talking about as a nation, rapid antigen testing, wastewater signals, and ideally put that together with a national vaccine registry so we can see who, you know, how well these vaccines are working against each specific variant in our diverse population. But do we have that? No, we don't. We have the knowledge to do it, but we're not doing it. And that's a serious problem. So I think that's one area that we can certainly, you know, stand improvement in. But, you know, I'm sorry to say to the World Health Organization, but we simply do not have the resources to extend PCR testing to the huge numbers of Canadians who are infected with COVID-19, with Omicron specifically. All right, let's uh, switch gears. Uh, to begin the week, there were big headlines from this University of Toronto study, which claimed the unvaccinated are a threat to, to those that are, that are vaccinated. And Dr. Gorfinkel, I think there might have been some confusion regarding uh, this story and this study because I think most people uh, have come to know or learn that uh, the vaccine protects you from severe illness and is not necessarily a shield against getting COVID. And as a matter of fact, even if you are vaccinated, you can transmit the uh, virus just like an unvaccinated person is. So how are the unvaccinated uh, a threat? Uh, what exactly is the study telling us? So this study was based on modeling research, and boy, was it ever smart. 
super sharp. And what they found is that if vaccinated people hang out with other vaccinated people, the risk falls by 50% of getting COVID. But if somebody's vaccinated is hanging out with somebody who's not vaccinated, the risk goes up by 30%. Okay, so these are massive differences. And not only that, but their modeling shows that a person who's not vaccinated is shedding a lot more virus. You know, so, and it also points out that people who are unvaccinated are using very limited hospital beds and therefore limit services to people who are vaccinated. So those are three strong arguments that would favor vaccine passports. And I know this isn't popular, but this is what the conclusion is. And mandating vaccines in certain populations. Because it's not like the unvaccinated present no threat to people who are vaccinated. They're actually a very real threat. So what do you do with this information? The authors say it's a reason to consider bringing back some of these things, especially when numbers are high, because their decisions affect our decisions. It's, it's, it's not an isolation that these decisions are made to be vaccinated or not. All right. So uh, some of those decisions that might be brought back, things such as the vaccine passport, I think you just mentioned uh, the masking mandate. Uh, that is, if numbers, you know, go the opposite way they are right now, if they uh, really uh, spike, uh, maybe not in the summer, but we might look at a fall spike. Absolutely. All right. I think that's where these researchers are coming from. You know, given the fact that the vaccinated are at disproportionate risk to those people who have been unvaccinated, it's a reason to think about it. This is modeling data that clearly show that it does, in fact, have a very significant impact that can't just be ignored. All right. Just uh, finally here this afternoon, Dr. Gorfink, I want to ask you about uh, symptoms because with BA2 uh, out there and uh, positive uh, cases. Uh, I think a lot of people, sometimes they aren't feeling very good. They're not feeling well. They're not sure whether or not uh, they do have COVID or if it's just something as simple as the flu, a, a stomach flu. Obviously, the the answer, I guess, is maybe a rapid test. If you've got access to that, to take a rapid test. But uh, is it hard to know the difference between BA2 and uh, COVID and, and the stomach flu? Yeah, the best data we have on that is out of the UK. And basically what it says is this, the symptoms are the same, it appears to be, as other forms of COVID-19, as other variants. So this variant can cause, as far as gastrointestinal symptoms, Omicron, BA2 can cause diarrhea, vomiting, nausea, belly pain. It can cause a person to lose their appetite, lose weight, or have reflux, heartburn, those kind of symptoms exist. So if there has been that kind of a change, the messaging is simply get the test. If you can get a rapid antigen test, it is important to recognize that disease when it's there and to diagnose it. And what's interesting is that it does drop some longer-term questions. What will COVID-19 do to the gastrointestinal tract? Could it change the microbiome? It seems to cause a post-infectious type of irritable bowel, but the exact amount that it gives to long COVID has yet to be determined. But these are things that we're watching very closely. We know that it is not simply a cold or flu. We know that people, some people are asymptomatic, but many people experience a multi-system disease. This whole thing, the loss of smell, the loss of taste, 
you know, blood changes that can happen, you know, increased risk of blood clots. This isn't the majority, but it is certainly a significant minority. All right. We've got to leave it there for another week. Dr. Gorfinkel, much appreciated as always. Have a good rest of the week, and we will connect again next Wednesday. All the very best. Take good care. You too. Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, vaccine researcher with us. And we're back after a break. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.